Good morning, church. Hey, you love Jesus. Let's give him praise this morning. Amen. He is good. I had the best time yesterday going out doing thanks serving every year. I love it. And I know Matt talked a little bit about it, but I want to let you know some specifics about what happened from this church. Uh, yesterday, we delivered uh, gift certificates for thanks serving meals, Thanksgiving meals. That equated to over 2,000 meals. Um, we had 175 volunteers. We visited 575 different homes. We gave out 1,384 packages of turkey, and we signed up 142 families to come shop at Christmas Mall this year. Come on. I love it. It's good. I will tell you uh, some of the moments that I'm hearing stories about will really, like, they tug at my heart. And there are things that happen that I didn't even expect to happen, and I've been doing this a while. But we, I'll tell you one thing that I noticed that um, really like, has stuck with me is how many people are so incredibly lonely, and they don't have anyone. And there are story after story of people, and even for us, uh, the team that I was on, I would go and knock on a house, and there are a couple of instances where I, didn't, I don't know these people, and they came to the door, and they answered, and we, we did our thanksgiving thing that we do, and we blessed them with a meal. And at the end, uh, for a couple of these complete strangers, they said to me, will you come back? And I said, well, I mean, I can. And they said, I don't want anything. I just want somebody to come and sit and talk to me. I hadn't had anybody come by here in so long, I can't remember. There's just a deep loneliness. And so you don't even know, like, I heard this again, that one person after another, a lady told Jessica this, like, I was praying. I've been praying for a church or a people to come by or, or to God to show me where, where can I go to church? Where can I be planted? Where can I have a church home? And then as, as soon as I finish praying that, you guys knock on the door and show up. And he, she said, you're an answer to a prayer. And you didn't even know I prayed it. But the Lord did. And so I'm so thankful for what he did yesterday. Beyond just the Thanksgiving meals, which we're really excited about, how the Holy Spirit gives us opportunities for these divine moments where we can make a difference in the life of someone. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. Amen. Let me read to you out of John chapter 14. This is our last uh, weekend on the end times, and we'll start right here. John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This is Jesus talking. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your goodness. And I just pray, Lord, uh, for your presence in this place today to soften our hearts and let us walk through these days with our eyes wide open. Let us not sleepwalk through this life, but be absolutely aware of the times that we're living in and what you've called and asked us to do. 
I love you and I thank you and I pray that your word shapes me in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. It's Christmas movie uh, time at the Cotton House. Has anyone watched a Christmas movie yet? What is your favorite Christmas movie? Let me hear some of them. Ernest Saves Christmas. <laughs> we need an altar call. Altar team, come to the front. Somebody get on the keys. Let's pray right now, okay? <laughs> I can't recover after that, Cody. Oh, my goodness. All right, that's one that hadn't made the Cotton family list yet. Um, yeah, we, were, we started watching things, and I'll tell you, like, there's some... Christmas movies that we watch, and just movies in general, that they have sequels, but they don't really need sequels, you know what I mean? Like, there's just a lot of movies like that. There are a ton of movies in my life I can remember watching the sequel and thinking, why? Like, why did this happen? Jaws 2 is a perfect example. The shark is still, you know, he's still mad. And he's coming after people. He can walk up on the beach if he wants to. It's crazy stuff. I think Home Alone has like six sequels. And I've only seen a couple of the Home Alones, but I looked up the synopsis to like the fifth one. The film tells the story of an eight-year-old boy who defends his home from a dangerous band of international criminals working for a terrorist organization. Like Kevin is fighting the Taliban in the fifth home alone. Like we don't need it, okay? It's unnecessary. <laughs> I could do without that. <laughs> There's some things that don't need a sequel. There is one story, let me tell you. There's one story that has a sequel that we all need. And it's one that all of us should be looking forward to. We're about to go into the Christmas season. And we call this time Advent. And it's like a time of preparing our hearts to celebrate the coming of Christ at Christmas. Okay? Christ comes, he lives, he dies on the cross, he's risen, he ascends to heaven. And the Bible says that there is a sequel for us. Like the story doesn't end there, but there's something in the future that's coming that all of us should be looking forward to. Most people don't know that there's more verses in the Bible about the second coming of Jesus when he returns in the future than there was about the first coming of Christ, what we're getting ready to celebrate at Christmas. In fact, it's far more about uh, verses and prophecies and promises about the second coming than the first. If God aced it the first time, don't you think he will ace it the second time? Uh, Titus, which Nick taught from last week, uh, and he did a great job. Titus calls the return of Christ our blessed hope. Okay? So many people around the idea of Jesus' return and the end times. And this is true for believers uh, and unbelievers alike. People get very nervous when they think about the end times. They get anxious when they talk about the end times. The Bible does not get anxious at all. And the Bible says, actually, when you really understand what's happening, when you have a good picture of the end times, it should actually give you comfort. It should strengthen your faith, give you confidence in the future. Because 
we already know how all of this is going to play out. And when you look at the world and everything comes, it looks like it's coming apart at the seams from wars and weather and politics and every kind of awful thing that you can read on the news at any given moment. And you get on there and you read that stuff and you say, oh man, I don't know how it's going to be. How's this all going to come together? You don't have to ask that question. God has already fixed this game. It's rigged. And we win. You can flip to the back of the book and see God has his way in the end. Paul says that all of this present suffering, everything that we're going through, it's nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed. He says this in Romans. So Jesus came. And then there's a sequel. He's coming again. And in that coming again, it's going to be very different than the first time that he came. And so today I want to compare the two. I want to show you what it was like when Jesus came the first time. And I want to talk about what it will be like when he comes the second time. So if you have notes, you're taking notes, grab a pen and write this down. The first coming was slow. But the second one will be quick. Why was Jesus' first appearance so slow? It's because of the way that God ordained it. He chose to send Jesus on the long way around. He came into this world the same way that we came into this world, by being born into it. And I'm no pregnancy expert, but I can tell you, as someone who's watched my wife go through a few of them, a pregnancy is not a quick trip, okay? It's a long, slow arrival. And Jesus came as a baby in that way. Luke 1, 30 through 35 says, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of the father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the first time Jesus came, he came like everybody else. He came in the form of a baby being born. And it was a, he was right on time, but it took a while. It took nine whole months. The second coming will be quick. In fact, the Bible says it will be instantaneous. In 1 Corinthians 15, 52, it says it will all happen in a flash as fast as the twinkling of an eye. The twinkling of an eye. They measured it, okay? It's 1 47th of one second. Okay, that's faster than I can snap. That's quick. 1 Thessalonians 5.2 says, The day of the Lord will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. And one recurring thing when Jesus talks about his coming, his second coming, is going to be fast. It's going to be quick. It'll happen before you even know it. And so if anybody tells you, like, I know the day that Jesus is coming. Somebody asked me this morning, is today the day you're going to tell us when it ends? I was like, yes, I'll try, okay? Last Thursday, I was wrong, okay? <laughs> if someone tells you they know when Christ is going to return, listen, they don't. They're either seriously mistaken or they're trying to sell you a book. Either way, like, they wrong, okay? Jesus himself said, I don't even know. 
Only the Father knows. That means it's going to happen. You don't know when. I don't know when. Nobody on the Internet knows when. But it's going to be so fast. Listen, this is the important thing, that you won't have time to change sides in that moment. Like when it comes, it'll be so quick that whatever it is that you were doing, like whichever way you've chosen to live, you're locked in. There's not, I used to think, oh man, when Jesus comes, I'm going to hear the trumpet sound and then I'll be able to like, just give me a minute, God, so I can pray and get things right before you take us away. Like, please, Lord, give me like 30 seconds. I can get it cleaned up in 30 seconds, please. That's how I used to think. The Bible says it'll be instantaneous. You'll be locked in. It's like you have to be ready. When I go on a road trip with my family, this is something you need to know about me. I'm usually pretty laid back about most things. Like I'm a laid back person. But there's something about ordering food in the drive-thru that stresses me out so much I completely fall apart. Like, as a man, as a human, I just lose it. I know that, like, there are people that don't like to use the app. I like to use the app almost always. How many of y'all like to use the app, okay? I will go, if I'm going somewhere that has an app, I will go into the parking lot. I'll pull off to the side, and I will sit there, and I will place my order so that I know I got it just the way that I want it. And I'll put everything, I'll hit send, and then I'll drive up to the drive-thru, and I'll say, yeah, my code is QRSCCC. You know, like, I'll just give them whatever because I can't stand. But when I'm on a road trip and we don't have time to go through uh, the app, and all, we go someplace without an app, I have to have everybody's order perfect when I get up to that speaker. There can be no changes. When we get, when Brandon Cotton gets to the speaker, like, you tell me and I'm going to tell them. That's how the information goes. I want a number one, no pickles, no onions. And I'll say, a number one, no pickles, no onions. I don't need any follow-up questions because I don't know, okay? And when we get to that speaker, if you're not locked in, right? If you're locked, like, they give me all that stuff, and then I get, like, a late change order. Can I get fries instead of tots? No, no, you can't. No changes. We got what we got. Even if it's wrong, when they read it back to me, I'll be like, that sounds good. Because I can't do it. I can't do it. You got to be locked in, ready to go. That's how I feel, okay? When Jesus parts the heavens, okay, and he returns, at that moment, there's no changes. You're locked in. Whatever it is, however you're living at that point, there's no switching teams. And there will come a day for every person when the clock runs out on salvation. It's like you have all this opportunity but when Jesus comes, that clock runs out. It's over. The door, well, in the Bible, the, it talks about the days of Noah. Okay? When Noah built this ark, God had all the animals come in. He had the people come in. And the Bible said when the rain started, that God shut the door. It doesn't say that Noah shut. It said that God sealed the door. There will be a day when God shuts the door. And so you have to be ready. That's why every week we talk about don't let this day pass you by. Because I do not know if we have tomorrow. I don't. I know that we have right now. 
And you have this moment to respond to what God is doing and to accept his call to come to him. Like you have this. I don't know what else you'll have, but you have this. Don't let this day pass you by. The second coming will be quick. Number two, the first coming was quiet, but the second one will be loud. At Christmas, which we're about to go into this season, Jesus came quietly. He came peacefully. Hardly anybody even knew that he came. Most people missed the Savior at Christmas. And we've talked about this before. Religious pe- the most religious people in the world just lived a few miles up the road, and they totally missed that Jesus came. In fact, we sing a song every year. Silent night. Holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild. What is it? Sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. Like it's this real peaceful, silent thing. He was born in Bethlehem in a manger. Bethlehem was like a nothing of a town. No one noticed. It's like when somebody's born in Rudy. Nobody knows, okay? <laughs> like nobody has an idea. It's a non-event for the whole world. It's a baby in a manger. The second coming will be an entirely different story. Everybody is going to know about it. It's going to be a big deal. It will be the biggest deal to ever happen. Everyone will see it. Everyone will hear it. It'll be the front page of every paper. In fact, uh, y'all remember newspapers back in the day? They existed at some point. They had this, on the front page, they had this rule, okay? When you're printing a newspaper, there is a size of the type font that you can use on the front page headlines of the newspaper. And there was this rule. There's this one size that you can only use, and they called it the second coming font. Like, if... Anything under the second coming, you can't use the font that big. It has to be smaller than that. But they used it for the biggest things, like Pearl Harbor. Like that was second coming font. 9-11, second coming font. JFK assassination, second coming font. Because these were like huge, earth-shattering things, okay? It was reserved for that because it is such a big deal. The second coming of Christ is going to be such a big deal. It will be loud. It will blow away anything produced by Hollywood. There will be no Marvel movie that has ever put out anything that will be like the second coming, okay? No sci-fi film can hold a candle to it. It will be a massive thing to behold. 1 Thessalonians 4, let's read this. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Look, everybody's going to hear it. There will be no person on earth that doesn't hear the voice of God, the trumpet, the angel, and the, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Jesus is coming back, and when he does, he's bringing the whole squad with him. He ain't coming by himself. It's going to be loud and epic and grab the attention of every person in the entire earth. The first time he came, okay, it was quiet. 
He was in a manger. There was no room in the inn. The second time he's coming, it's like, kick the door to the inn and, hey, Jesus is here. Get out the way. Like, I'm here. This is a big moment. He's not coming back as a baby. Jesus is returning as the king of kings. He's returning as the Lord of lords. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord because they will see him in all of his glory. This should not scare you as a Christ follower. This should comfort you. This should excite you. This should make you like, thank you. I'm, I'm ready for that. Please, Lord, come. Like, I'm ready. In the jungles, we go down to Peru, you know, and they have these tigers in the jungles, and jaguars and things. When the tiger in the jungle roars, okay, this is what they tell me. Everything in the jungle gets quiet. Like everything. Uh, there's no birds moving around. All the little animals, they're in the little holes hiding. Uh, the, even the insects stop. Like it's silent and quiet in the jungle. Everything freezes except one thing. You know what, keeps, you know what gets happy when the, when the tiger roars? All the little tiger cubs. Because that roar to them means, hey, daddy's in here. He's in charge. He's going to take care of anything. So when they hear those roars, they start playing. Like they come out, they get happy. They got all the confidence in the world. When Jesus returns, it should give us all the confidence in the world to know he's in charge. That's our dad. He's taking care of us. We ain't got nothing to be afraid of. We don't have to hide in a hole. We look forward to his coming. That is the posture of a believer. Number three, the last one today is this. The first coming, Jesus was the Savior. The second coming, he'll be the judge. When you read about Jesus' first arrival, today in the city of David, a Savior has been born. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When Jesus came, he, he came to start the family of God, and he'll return to bring the family of God home. He came as a savior. He is saving people right now. Like, this is something he's doing today. I, I'll tell you, one of our teams went down to Peru. Um, we went this summer, this last summer. We're going back next summer. But one of our other campuses from Little Rock, they went. And one of the things that we've been working on when we go is we go to a city called Nauta. And Nauta is, uh, they call it a missions graveyard. Because all of these churches and all these organizations, they've tried to plant a church in the city of Nauta. And Nauta is like the, uh, the hub of witchcraft um, the hub of demonic activity. And from that one city, I don't have time to get into all of it, but basically that one city, from there you can go to several different countries and all the little jungle communities in the area, they send a boat up the river to get, when they need something, they have to go to Nauta to get it. So it's a very important city, Okay. Place after place has tried to plant a church there. Can't do it. They all fail. When we went in the summer from Fort Smith, we had a small team. We did a, a small crusade in Nauta. 
and people got saved. And we, we plugged them in. The, the organization that we're working for, they have life groups in Nauta, so they plugged them in. This team from Little Rock went, big team. They did a big crusade. 180 people gave their life to God in one night. The people that we're working with, the Aaron Borgos family, they're planting a church in that city. And so between these campuses of new life, we have bought the land and we started construction. And listen to me, on this, this is incredible to me. In the middle of construction, like they're trying to get the foundation set, they built a little, little shed, a little shack type thing, basically just to give the workers shade in between shifts of working. They would go sit under, it's just a little ceiling and poles. The people in that city thought that that was their church and they flocked to it in the middle of construction. Those people that got saved started going to this little shack and praising God. This isn't even their church. It's just a little place for shade. But they piled in there to worship the Lord. He's doing a work right now. Not just here. He's doing it there. He's moving across the world. He came as a savior and he's still saving. When Jesus returns, he will come back as a judge. This is very different. Acts 17. says, since we are God's children, you must not think that God is like something that people imagine or make from gold, silver, or rock. In the past, people did not understand God and ignored this. Listen. But now, God tells all people in the world to change their hearts and lives. God has set a day when he will judge all the world with fairness. When Jesus returns, he's going to start setting some things right. Have you ever felt like life ain't fair? Like I certainly have at times. In that moment, things are going to get real fair. And they're going to get real fair in a hurry. Racism, prejudice, injustice. God is going to deal with all of it on that day. God will be a just God in that moment. He promised it. And there's going to be, listen, there's going to be rewards and there's going to be punishment. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us, the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Let me talk to you for just a moment about judgments. When you die, the God, God says that there is something that comes after death for everyone. That is why we, we say this. Death is not a period. It's a comma. Because something comes after it. And the Bible talks about different times of judgment. And I want you to lock in with me for a moment here. Because I don't want you to be confused about this. In several different places, in Revelation, in Matthew... There's talk of judgments. Now, people think there, there are multiple ways to think about this. That either there's these separate times of judgment in the Bible, or it's all just one big judgment and the Bible talks about it from different perspectives. I will tell you, it doesn't really matter where you land in that camp. Because the fact is, every person who has ever lived 
will stand before God, all of us. And so there are two different types of judgment. The first is this, it's a judgment for unbelievers. This will not be a good moment. The Bible says in Revelation that on judgment day, that they're, they're gonna pull out these books book here, a book here, and a book here. And in these books is everything that anyone has ever done. It's all been recorded. So God has this ledger, and he has perfect information. That means when he starts reading it off, everything that you've ever done, you don't have an attorney next to you to make an argument. Like your mama can't get you out of it. Your grandma, there's nothing she could do. It's you and it's him. And for someone that is an unbeliever, there are no do-overs here. The Bible says at the end of it, I'll read everything that you've ever done. And then if you don't know the Lord, if you don't follow Jesus, you will spend eternity separated from God. And you can go read about this in Revelation chapter 20. It's a terrible thing. The enemy, unbelievers are cast into eternal darkness. And it's awful. It's awful. That is why for you and for me, when we ask you, when we beg you to live on mission, it's because the stakes of this thing are so high. Like eternity, eternity is at stake. So when we talk about sharing the gospel, inviting someone to hear the gospel, responding to the gospel, live on mission, go out, love people, be the light of the world, all of these things, these are not just like church growth strategies so that we can have more people come into the church. This is eternity is at stake and we have to live like it because it matters. And on that day for an unbeliever, there will be unbelievers there that wished that you said something to them on this side of eternity. That wished that we dealt with whatever social anxiety or how uncomfortable it made us or how weird it made us feel to share the gospel. Like on that day, it won't matter. All that matters is did you, did you receive the Lord? So that's why it's so important, church. All of these meals that we deliver, yes, it's important to feed them this week. Like we, we do that because we want to elevate people's lives. Being around a church should be the best news for a community. To have a church in the community, it should be great news. But the more important thing is did we, did we give them an invitation? Did we plant a seed in their heart? so that they could know the Lord. Because that day for unbelievers is not a good day. The second type of judgment is the one for believers. 
This is for followers of Christ. And at that moment, this is not a judgment about whether or not you can get into heaven or not. Okay? The Bible talks about, it's going to tell you, we are going to go down and talk about all the things that you've done in your life. If you follow the Lord, you accept Christ into your heart. Listen to me. The Bible says that there's another book, and it's called the book of life. And if your name is in the book of life, then you are going to heaven. Like if you're a follower of Jesus, then he puts your name in that book. And that's like the most important reservation you will ever make. It's way more important than uh, getting a reservation at 21 West End here in town. You got to like, this reservation is the one that really matters in your life. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Because if it is, if you follow Jesus, if you live for him, then you're going to heaven. And this is such good news. But this judgment is about your works. The Bible says that God is big on rewards. And so this is all about rewards. There's a story. This just helps you like picture it in your mind. There's a story of a lady. She got to heaven. And when they showed her 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 home in heaven, it was a little old shack. She walked in. She said, man, I'm glad to be in heaven, but my house ain't very nice. I got a little shack. So she went outside. She found the uh, homeowners association angel. <laughs> she, said, she said, hey, I don't mean, I'm, I'm grateful. Don't get me wrong. But I was just wondering, they got, my neighbors are living in this giant, beautiful place. And I'm living in this. Like, what happened? And the angel said, we could only work with the stuff you sent ahead of time. Like the materials that you gave us ahead of time, that's what we could build your home with. So that's the best that we could do. Heaven is not going to be an equal place. It's the same place, but there are different rewards. And all our rewards are based on is what we do with our lives while we are here. So the judgment for believers is not about getting into heaven. It's not about salvation. But the Bible says that there are rewards that happen by how you live your life today. Like what we do with the time that God gives us has an eternal, it makes a difference. That's why it's like, I'm not just going to become a Christian, like raise my hand and then just go on and forget that thing ever happened. It's like, I want to live every day doing all that I can to help build God's kingdom. Because on that day when I stand before him, I want him to, I want him to say, here's what you did with what I gave you. Well done. Well done. First John 2.28 says, do not be ashamed at the coming of the Lord. Like there will be a day when you stand before God as a Christian and I want to stand before him and say, God, I did what I was faithful with the stuff that you gave me. With my time, I was faithful. With my talents, I used them for your kingdom. With my treasure, I gave and I gave generously so that we could reach more people for you. Like I'm faithful, please, Lord. I did all I could. The whole point of end times teaching, and I'll wrap it up here, 
And there are some people that like come and they hear these sermons and they're a little disappointed because they want to know, well, okay, that's all good, but can we talk about Hamas? Can we talk about Israel? Can we talk about uh, the Antichrist and the beast and all of these things, the trumpets and the bowls and the seals? And all of that is good to study. I mean, it really is. We actually, on our daily devos that we send out at New Life, we're walking through the book of Revelation and we talk about all these things. So, like, sign up for that if you want to deep dive on chapter by chapter book of Revelation. But the whole point of this end times teaching, anytime that they talk about it in Scripture and anytime we talk about it, is not so much getting caught up in the details of when and how and what's it going to look like and all this. It's about living in such a manner that you are ready when he comes. Like that is the point of this teaching. All, out, all throughout scripture, it is be ready, be ready. When Jesus talks to the churches in Revelation, he's like endure for those that are victorious, for those who've made it to the end, for those. It's living ready every day. It's being faithful being ready to meet Jesus when he returns. That's the whole point of this. And so today, let me give you two things. One, if you're not ready to meet the Lord, that I'm going to give you an opportunity today to be ready because you can get ready. And I said it before, I'll say it again. Don't let this day pass you by because I don't know about tomorrow, but I know what we have right now. Respond to God today. But for those of you that are believers, the charge for us is to remain faithful, to remain faithful, to continue to be ready. Don't drift. Don't walk to the right or to the left. Don't step off to the side. But to live for the Lord every single day being a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Like live ready don't get distracted by the things of this world. It's like this. Listen, when you were a kid, you remember somebody would be like maybe mom and dad are in a, their bedroom. And they're having an argument. They're fighting or something like that. Or they're planning Christmas. Whatever the case may be, make up a scenario. But you, your nosy little self, you want to hear what they're talking about. And so you go up and you stick your, your ear right up next to the door. And you're like, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen in. Some of you, if y'all are still doing this, stop. <laughs> Quit doing it. Listen, this was like, I, it's like the, I want to eavesdrop on heaven. And so I'm going to press my ear against the door. And when I'm doing that, if somebody's trying to talk to me and they're saying, hey, Brandon, hey, Brandon, I'm like, what? Shh, be quiet. Leave me alone. I'm trying to hear. Because I'm trying to put all my attention into what's happening. What are they saying? What are they doing? For the Christian, this is how we ought to live. With one ear against the door of heaven. Okay, God, what is it you're saying? What is it you're doing? Like, I don't, shh, the world comes up to me. Hey, do this, do that. I'm like, be quiet. I don't got time for this. Because I'm trying to hear what it is that you're saying on this side of the door. This morning, I encourage you, no matter what you may see in the news, no matter what you may hear, 
No matter what kind of thing pops up on your internet about the end times and the end of the world, if you are a believer, do not worry. Do not fear. You have nothing to be anxious about. You know who wins this thing in the end. Instead, live ready to meet him at his coming. If you're not ready, look at me. Today is a day for you to get ready, and I'm going to pray with you. This prayer that we pray together, there's no magic words here. This has to be a heart change for you. The heart change is when you surrender yourself to God and you say, God, I can't clean my own life up. I know I've messed up. I know I'm broken, but I believe that you can make me whole. You can give me a new life. And in that, your future is secure. You have hope when you follow Jesus that you know upon his return, I'm going to be ready to meet him.